Oh, please, Reverend. You're so good and wise and strong. Please, please help this sick, disgusting, degenerate. I deal in truth. <laughs> I'm bringing you something greater than a hard-on. Assuming you consider truth to be greater than a hard-on. Depends on the hard-on. I'm here to save you. Why don't you fuck me? That'll save me. Not from your disease. What disease? I'm healthy as a horse. I'm fit as a fiddle and ready for cock. Welcome back to Rotten Rewind, a podcast that looks back on the films that critics did not jizz in their pants for. If a film fails to score above the 60% threshold on RottenTomatoes.com, we get to save their whorish souls on this very podcast. I'm Courtney Peranto. I'm Max Rue. I'm the most, <laughs> most worthless cunt in all of Patreon. Um, <laughs> got two weeks in a row of some really great quotes. Just great, great mm-hmm. quotes. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're knee deep in our guest like Gatekeep Girl Boss miniseries. And this week, we get to discuss, I think, what might be the two most depraved, just generally hard R films in the series. I could be wrong. Yeah. I, I, Especially I feel like this, the first one. Yeah. Well, the movie was, you know, we'll get to it. It was originally well, rated X. Yeah. Thick. But yeah, yeah. First up, it's, uh, it is the originally X rated, which I believe is the version that if you watch it on Canopy, that's the version you're getting. Okay. Is that how you watched it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Ken Russell's neon-drenched erotic thriller, Crimes of Passion, starring Kathleen Turner as a fashion photographer who moonlights as a Hollywood Boulevard sex worker, and Anthony Perkins yeah. as the sexually repressed street preacher who seeks to purify her in the eyes of the Lord. Something I'm very yeah. familiar with. <laughs> I walk up and down Hollywood Boulevard every day in my neighborhood, and I say, let me save you, whore, please. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then after we talk about that, we're returning to the world of Nicholas Winding Refn with his 2016 fashion satire slash body horror flop, The Neon Demon, starring Elle Fanning, Jenna Malone, and my personal daddy, Keanu Reeves, as a motel operator who also may be a sex trafficker, but it doesn't fucking matter. He's there. He's in it. It doesn't matter how many kids you have locked up in that room right now. Your daddy. (laughs) That's the twist at the end of the new John Wick movie is that this entire time we've been rooting for a sex trafficker. Sure, they killed his dog, but he's got a lot of Russian women locked up in a storage locker somewhere. (laughs) Don't Breathe crossover episode. God is dead. You never saw Don't Breathe 2, did you? No, because I was like morally opposed to the premise. It's so tight. Whatever, I'll watch it. (laughs) (laughs) It's <laughs> so tight. <laughs> it's, we'll definitely cover it, but it's like I it's literally I was like, man, this is honestly like a breath of fresh air because I couldn't remember the last time a studio released a 2000s era just like really evil mean-spirited horror movie like that. Uh-huh. Like, how did this How did this one slip through? Yeah, cuz he's like not necessarily the hero now, but he is the main character. And they were like, well, the only okay. way, the only way we can make this guy worse is if we put him up against a group of like methy organ traffickers. <laughs> So that's who the main people are. Oh, in the so movie. They, they just had to find someone worse than him? Yeah. Does he get like sympathetic at the end? Like, are you like, oh. I actually he... think they handle it pretty well, surprisingly. I think they okay. do a good job okay. with it. They know that he's evil. They're not trying to make him a oh, hero. Okay. I remember, yeah, when the trailer came out at first, I was like, oh, that's a weird <laughs> spin to put on this. What if that guy was actually. Is it a prequel? Oh. No, it's a sequel. It's a sequel. Ha- they should make a prequel, though. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, these movies are. 
I, where do they fall into? They fall maybe into the gatekeep girl boss. Not so much. There's not a lot of they're gaslighting definitely happening. Gatekeep. Yeah, yeah, there's some gatekeeping. Elfanning is kind of girl boss, and then she girl boss. Denim alone is a girl boss. Yes, she um, gaslights her just a little bit. But Kathleen Turner, I think, is just pure girl bossing. Yeah. She's Anthony not Perkins a gatekeeping. She's not gaslighting. She's just, she's. What's Anthony Perkins doing to her? I guess he, he's kind of gaslighting her. <laughs> the Lord is gaslighting think, her. Yeah, exactly. Yes, like, I don't think that she ever wonders if she's doing anything wrong, which is sick. Yeah. I, I, I think that was my biggest question with the movie. Why is she doing this? And have, do you like Ken Russell? I don't know what else I've seen. I haven't seen like Altered States or whatever. Like I haven't. I what I've else seen Altered done? States. Um, I love The Devils. Oh, The Devils is rad. His big movie is Women in Love. That's apparently like his best movie, which I haven't seen yet. I haven't seen it. Uh, he did Tommy, which I've never seen. I know it's a kind of a cult classic. Yeah, I um, just don't think I've ever. He seen has a movie simply it. called Whore, made in 1991. That's rotten. So we should cover it. His last yeah, movie was called A Kitten for Hitler. I recently watched a movie of his on Criterion Channel called The Lair of the White Worm with Hugh Grant, which is very. How was like, that? It's very like British and wacky. I I didn't love it. Was it? It just wasn't really like my he was vibe. Famous? Is it young right? Hugh? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like '88. It's like um, okay, he did a movie yeah, called right Gothic. I want to see. Um, I do want to see Women in Love though because I've I've heard that one's really great. But The Devils is is fucking dope. Yeah, I'm looking at his filmography now. This is this is my first one, and I will be back. A woman who lives in two worlds. A man who must lose himself to possess her. They are strangers. They are lovers. They are outlaws. But their crimes are crimes of passion. The star of Body Heat and Romancing the Stone, Kathleen Turner. Anthony Perkins creating an unforgettable role of menacing power. And introducing John Laughlin. Never before have two adults consented to so much. Crimes of Passion, the most talked about movie of the year. I can't believe this movie is a movie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't think I think a lot of people felt that way. I think that the, yeah. the studio who produced it couldn't believe that, which is amazing because it's like, <laughs> didn't you read the script for it? Like you didn't think right. this was going to get an X rating after directing, you know, some of the most visually distinct and controversial cold films, of the 70s, like we mentioned, Tommy, Listomania, English director Ken Russell tackled the rise of puritanical politics on the eve of the AIDS crisis in America with his truly Truly deranged 1984 thriller, Crimes of Passion, following a somewhat, I would say, kind of convoluted story. It's a little, I wasn't lost yeah, but exactly, I mean, so but are, it didn't like, matter. So but are yeah. some De Palma stories. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the story, uh, kind of some intertwining lives in the 80, in 80s Los Angeles. The story focuses on Joanna Crane, played by the great Kathleen Turner. This is three years after Body Heat, I believe. Yeah, because Body okay. Heat's Yeah, because I was going to say the movie that it, I think is like, kind of flicking at his body heat except it like really it's flicking body heat's clip takes <laughs> sorry it's just, no i was thinking it. what if we flick the clip <laughs> <laughs> there's probably some clip flicking in this movie yeah so joanna crane played by kathleen turner she's a fashion designer and mysteriously and unknowingly to i think everyone else in her life who shouldn't seem to have many people in her life she moonlights as a sex worker on hollywood boulevard that goes by the name of china a really good Lilla. one like a very yeah. 
committed one. She's good. She is operating out of a motel that is blocks from where I live right now. It's a very specific part oh, of Hollywood really? Boulevard. It's it's like Harvard and Hollywood where Harvard and Stone is not far from the next movie where she's staying. Um, it's it's all right. kind of in a very similar, you know, specific like three block radius. So yeah, she's on she's on Hollywood Boulevard in a place now that I believe is not far from like a really good coffee shop over there called Abet and Dells. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's yeah. very close to where it is now. So yeah, she she's operating there as a as a woman named China Blue. So when the company the crane works for suspects her of selling patterns to competing companies. A very cucked electronic store owner who does surveillance mm-hmm. work on the side named Bobby, played by John Laughlin. Uh, I, I, I don't think I've seen Who's this, this guy fucking before. guy? John Laughlin plays Bobby Grady. He's in Footloose. He is in The Lawnmower Man, which I, I don't remember him in that. He's he has a very really, specific look. He looks like a guy who could have been... He seems like he's more famous than you think, and then you realize that he actually isn't famous. Like He Just looks, looks like... like- a, a lot of people kind of yeah you're like are you the night of the living day yeah yeah Yeah. he's kind of peculiar looking yeah so they hire bobby and instead of uncovering a plot to sell fashion secrets bobby discovers that joanna is leading a double life as a sex worker which makes him incredibly fucking horny he quickly becomes infatuated with china blue because his bitch wife is too tired to suck his dick china is just his bitch wife in designing women annie potts is her name yeah she was she was on designing i think that the show is maybe sick yeah Okay. She, was she in Child's Play? I don't see Child's Play on here. She was in Pretty in Pink and Ghostbusters. So she has oh, Ghostbusters yeah, yeah, she the same Ghostbusters. years as years she's in Ghostbusters 2. She is the voice of Bo Peep in the Toy Story movies. Yeah, she came back for Ghostbusters Afterlife. Wow. Really pretty actress who has a really tragic haircut in this movie that kind of undercuts her, her looks, she's I want to say. She's supposed to sort of be like not. Sure. You, know, you don't want to fuck her. Yeah. Yeah. So China is just trying to kind of explore the uh, complicated nature of human connection and kinks. Uh, but she's, she's being stalked by a very sexually repressed reverend played by Anthony Perkins. This reverend, he's having a little bit of a crisis of faith as he has to choose yeah. between his mission to free Joanna slash China of her whorish ways and wanting to fuck her to death with a sword edge dildo that he carries around in his briefcase. <laughs> he's got a big old briefcase filled with sex toys and a Bible. He's great. Just an insane character. He's so sweaty. He's extremely sweaty. He is a sweaty man. So yeah, will Joanna's secret life be revealed? Does it, does it matter? Will Brady's wife ever suck his dick? Or will he choose a new life with Joanna? Will the Reverend save Joanna's soul or just come on it? Those are the questions uh, being asked in Ken Russell's. Can you come on someone's soul? Sure, you can. I would love to hear that. (laughs) I would love to hear like fucking (laughs) the one, the big Italian guy or the other guy, Mick Blue. Like, let me come on your soul like like this. No, that feels like a Nick Manning quote, like a really dumb voice. Come on your soul. It's like some Mortal Kombat shit. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. Your soul is mine to come on. Um, You can come on a lot of things. (laughs) You can come on anything. And this is a movie like you listed like all the possibilities that could happen at the end of it. While I was watching it, because it's so weird, I had no idea what was going to happen. It opens in a very, I forgot how it opened because it opens with the cuck Brady and he's like in a, I don't know what this meeting is. It doesn't seem, it's not a sex I was gonna, addict. Okay. Meeting. That's what I was going to ask too. Like what, it's not really a sex addict. It's almost like they go there to get like negged. Yeah. It's like, it's like a freestyle. How good they are busking. That, I think it's like a meeting where dudes complain that their wives won't fuck them. <laughs> yeah. But there's like other women there's in there. women there that are like, I bet you're bad in bed. And then he like loses. <laughs> He goes, but he's like supporting his buddy Bruce, played by Bruce Davidson, who he works with, who's, you know, like complaining about his divorce. 
Yeah. And then this guy, Bobby Grady is like, no, I, I love my wife and everything's great. I'm just here to support my friend. And then they kind of egg him on for like, not very long, but not they, very long, but like they go on at him pretty hard. They're yeah. just like, yeah, your dick sucks. I bet your dick sucks. <laughs> <laughs> if you went to a meeting just to have women tell you your dick sucks, <laughs> your dick is really bad. And then he, and then he just like flips like a fucking light switch yeah, goes he, off. And he's like, you know what? Actually, my wife's a fucking tired bitch. And every day I come yeah, from yeah, working yeah. my ass off and she doesn't want to put my cock in her mouth and I got these two kids and I don't care about them. <laughs> yeah, he really does not care about those kids. No, he doesn't give a fuck about his kids. So we're, we're introduced to that guy in this very weird meeting. I'm not sure what it is except to just kind of like like you said, just shit talk. And it's just setting it up. Kind of just like a freestyle meeting. Just like what's going on in your life and then... <laughs> also, yeah. like maybe you need one that's like a scene like this just to let you know like immediately like this movie's gonna be fucking weird yeah and very funny and also like like it clearly has i think a lot on its mind as far as desires and kinks and like especially at that time Mm -hmm. in like the 80s where it's like coming off the 70s where things are obviously a lot more sexually open so now you have this period where it's like more puritanical in like the reagan era so it feels like it's almost like this this juxtaposition between like, how do I live my life? Do I live my life openly for the things that I desire or do I subdue those desires? I don't know. It's it's interesting. It doesn't ever like quite go too hard in on that, but I feel like that's always kind of- No, but I kind of think that's a strength of a movie. Yeah. Because I do think that like in the end, it has like a pretty open approach to what it feels about. I don't know, her sex work and kinks or whatever. I wouldn't say it's, it's not definitely not anti-sex work. It's not like- I think it portrays it very like neutrally in a weird way for a movie that's like it does. out of 10 the whole time. Um, it shows it you does, the, except, the and it and almost makes it. it feel like kind of an art because she really does cater. It's like an experience. It's like the yeah. Madonna in, or you know what I mean? Like she's like a little sexy, slutty stewardess sometimes. Like she like is acting, like she's really incredible at it. It doesn't yeah. seem like it's just like it's just about like the explicit sex scenes, and there are a ton of those, but it's also about like the staging of it. Yeah, there's, like, the elaborate thing she does with that guy who has, like, a rape fantasy. So she Mm -hmm. allows him to follow her home, and then she pretends to be shocked when he's in her apartment, and then he attacks her and rapes her, quote-unquote rapes her, and then you realize that it's just, like, appeasing his unfortunate kink. Isn't that a scene in Choke? That's a scene in Choke, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, she tells him at one point, like, you know, I was molested by my dad, and then he's like, I don't remember you telling me that. No, the opposite. Isn't he like, you remember how you were molested? Oh, that's dad? right. Yeah, yeah. You told me that you're I think dad... it's better because, yeah. yeah. And I think that she is like still acting. I think that that's ambiguous. Like, I kind of think, like, as a, as a viewer, you are maybe led to believe that she's like making that up. Sure. So he views her as like damaged goods, which is hot to him. Yeah. And so she's like, just doing an extra good job at her job, which I think is sick. That great line where, you know, he's like, were you, you know, like, are you telling the truth or whatever? And she's like, does it even matter? Yeah. Which is true. It's like, it doesn't even really matter. I mean, obviously for some of them, the truth uh, is is unfortunately hotter to them if that was the truth. Mm -hmm. She's very good at what she does. They don't really tell you why she does this. Nor do you see her do her regular job very much. No, you see her like kind of walking around in the background, just like observing other people in an office for maybe mm-hmm. 10 seconds. Yeah. And she has like a sick apartment. So you're like, you must have a good job. I couldn't but figure out. Yeah. I think that apartment is on Edgemont and Franklin. It's like right really? up, like Franklin, Vermont area. I, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it's in that area. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like not far from where you used to live and, and where I live. Mm-hmm. It's a great apartment. I, mean, I guess the double life thing, because it doesn't, 
go into it. It doesn't go into why she's doing this. She's obviously mm-hmm. successful. She's an independent woman. She does not have. She's an independent lady. She shouldn't seem to have friends or, you know, any type of like partner. She does anything. not seem to have friends. No. So it's interesting. It seems she's like kind she of defined purposely doesn't it. want a partner. Mm-hmm. I do feel like that is explicitly said is that she sort of like avoided it. It is interesting though, because they don't go into that. So it does leave you to kind of ask like, okay, well, like, why does this woman do this? You know, not only is it obviously dangerous at times for her, but she's fucking a lot of pretty gross men when she's Kathleen Turner and can do perfectly fine in everyday life. So it's like, is it supposed to be the duality of like who we are at our jobs and then who we are at night that we kind of like hide from the rest of the world or like the deviant parts of us that we try to mm-hmm. cast aside again, you can kind of. I don't of- know. I also feel like she like likes the the staginess of it and like the role playing and how I feel like she can like switch who she is. It's like she can sure. like code switch from being like a dom to like somebody else really yeah. quickly and i think i i felt like it was like having that sort of aptitude and being able to like use it that's that's a good point she is working out of this like it's not a motel it's it's an apartment complex i want to say like, it's just on hollywood it, boulevard but it's sort of like a sex thing that's i don't the really want to call it like a board- real new york <laughs> living in a sex apartment you could see netflix from your window the the set design and the the cinematography and like all the lighting is really fucking cool in it and yeah it does have like a big de palma vibe at times it did kind of remind me of Eyes of Laura Mars because sure. it, there's all these shots of like fashion shit, like being violent. Like some of the like the like most experimental parts are like the parts when Anthony Perkins is like sort of like having visions of violence while he's like watching sex acts. Yeah, those are fucking really cool. I realize I haven't seen a lot of Anthony Perkins performances outside of this in Psycho. I mean, I've seen like. The psychos and the he's in the trial, right? I've never seen the trial. It seemed like he, he mostly did kind great. of be movies like this, though, post Psycho. I think after he came out, I think that people knew he was gay. I think that he maybe got a little lightly blacklisted. Yes. I don't think that he got like the career that he deserved. Yeah, that's but what it seems like, especially. I think after it's Psycho, amazing yeah. that he takes a bunch of camp. Because uh, yeah, if you watch like Psycho and the trial, like he he's a class like he's he's a great actor no he's but then yeah i would say everything like past like psycho was like this and just returning to norman bates in like a more and more campy way the the reverend character i i guess the character was written to be a psychiatrist and then like was cast and he had recently played a psychiatrist so he didn't want to do that and so ken russell came up with the idea of making him a reverend which is so much better so much just like he has to be a reverend it's so much fun he has to be a reverend the part doesn't really make sense if no there's something like serious about it and there's something like hokey and it also makes it so that he's like a hypocrite yeah he basically goes from like he'll be like in a peephole room masturbating to a woman with a bunch of other guys around and then he'll immediately like run outside and start preaching on the street and trying to save all these women it's an insane fucking part it's so so funny uh one of the first times you see him he's calling out after kathleen turner and he says save your soul whore when she finds the dildo she says what are you gonna do fuck someone to death and he just so sincerely Uh says only the right woman (laughs) 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 and then she gets some great quotes she has that incredible quote which is sorry i never forget a face especially when i've sat on it 
Oh, I laughed out loud. Incredible. Incredible. It's so good. And you're like, why haven't I said that before? Like, why? It's so (laughs) good. It should just like, it should be a colloquialism. You know what I mean? Like, it should be. This is a movie that we definitely could have done in our erotic summer series. It's so sleazy and grimy. It's better that we waited because I think, yeah, but we were breaking by the end of that series. Like, we might not have clocked how special this is but. i must have watched it in the midst of all that because it was sometime in the summer of 2020 that i watched oh, this maybe right. it was like the script for this was written uh by a guy named barry sandler apparently he did like over 40 drafts of it a few other directors were approached for it before ken russell john frankenheimer was approached bob rafelson and john carpenter which is an eyes mm-hmm. of laura mars connection and then i guess Cher was approached about being the lead Whoa, really? Which would have been insane. I think Kathleen Turner is perfect for this part. I do think that the movie does benefit from the other actors that auditioned for the Grady part, which were Jeff Bridges, who agreed to do it, but they couldn't afford him. And then Patrick Swayze and Alec Baldwin also auditioned. You know, I know Baldwin's a monster, but he would have been great. <laughs> but honestly, Swayze would probably would have killed pick. this part. Yeah, because um, like that's the one part that I felt like a little it, like what's great about the movie is like you're watching like this like really campy, funny like satire, but your two main actors are like great actors, so it doesn't feel like you're watching like a B movie. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. That other actor kind of brings me down to like that Silent Night, Bloody Night vibe. You know, he yeah. kind of reminded me of the killer, and yeah. Yeah, he, <laughs> it he made feels me like he feel could like have been you're in a watching few. like a beat movie. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. He's not even bad. He's just like, and maybe he does do the part right because he is just such an annoying cut. I mean, it's just like my wife. Yeah, he has me. to <laughs> do that penis performance. Yeah. yeah. And she just looks so miserable. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, no wonder she doesn't want to fuck you, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you just kind of suck. <laughs> like, I don't think it, Kathleen Turner wants to watch that bit either i honestly think that the only reason kathleen turner is like into him even in that moment too is probably because she hasn't even been fucked like semi-decently in so long because of her clients that it's like this guy probably Mm -hmm. fucked her like normally like he actually was like engaged and like passionate about it because he wasn't trying to fulfill some sort of like weird rape fantasy right which is probably like oh wow this is a lot better by comparison Um, (laughs) well also basically his wife tells him that like she just doesn't like fucking and he gets like really pissed I mean, yeah, that's that's a conversation you you should have had before you got married and had kids. Yeah, like if that came out like ten years into my marriage, my wife was like, "I just and he don't was like thinking fucking. that it was great." Yeah, and he was <laughs> which like, isn't surprising. Yeah. He, or or he or he knows deep down that it's not, and he's delusional, and he's kind of trying. And that's to why he like himself. sets off. Yeah, yeah. I no, mean, for the sure. movie is so weird. That like I was like, what if it does like a red herring thing where he's going to be the bad guy because he just feels yes. off. Compared to everybody else. That would have been great if if Anthony Perkins had to save her in more ways than one. I just genuinely thought that maybe they were both terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. Which is like what would really happen is like they'd both be terrifying. Yeah. The the climactic scene with with Perkins, I oh my God. fucking died when he when he turns around and he gives her the the fucking sharp edge dildo and he just says, Kill me, you worthless cunt. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, too late. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all the men who ever hurt you and made you feel like shit. <laughs> kill me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's really not much else like hearing Anthony Perkins scream, kill me, you worthless cunt. It's just <laughs> it's just pretty incredible. Most of his lines in the movie are some version of that or him just being like, you yeah, dumb they really bitch, are. get out of here. <laughs> Did you get an eyes wide shut vibe from the very last moment when he's back oh. in the sex meeting and he the last line is, and then we fucked each other's oh my brains God. out. You're right. Yeah, it didn't click until the second time. Because he gives that monologue about like, well, this is where my life is now and we're pursuing a relationship 
And, you know, we talked about all our fears and desires. Yeah. It's like, I I'm uncertain. It's kind of sincere. And then he just smiles and says, and then we yeah, each good. other's brains out. Hold on. We didn't talk about the cop scene. Oh yeah. So that's how I knew that it was the unrated version. Cause apparently in the R rated version that was released in theaters, the cop scene's not in it. That was the scene that they were like, you have to cut this. You can't put this in an, in an R rated movie in theaters. She pegs a cop with his own nightstick, but which is sick. I know. That's what Ken Russell told the studio. He said, but that's sick. <laughs> that's sick. <laughs> Who wouldn't want to see a cop get fucked with his own nightstick? That's the ACAB movie that we need now is cops getting fucked with their own nightsticks. That's their kink. Um, and then afterwards, she goes up to him. And what does she say to him? Because then he just spits in her face. Yeah. yeah, he spits in her face. And he I spits think in her face. Yeah, he's awful. Because like he wanted it and hired yes. her and then is immediately like disgusted but he's ashamed. by himself. He knows he he's a pig. Forgive me, Lord. I speak not in vain, but this little bitch provokes me so. Oh, Jesus. At least I can stay in character. I am the messenger of God, you little cocksucker. Oh, what's this, your mailbag? Let's see what's in it. No! What do you got in the bag? A tit pacifier. The milk of human kindness, remedial, even in simulation. A foam rubber pretty kitty. An auto suck. Modern technology, it is most compassionate. And it swallows. 48%. Honestly, I'm kind of surprised it's that high. It's like actually artistic and beautiful, but I also feel like it is more challenging. Yeah. Roger Ebert gave it a bad review. He said good performances and an interesting idea are metamorphs. Great great tits. Uh, They might not have been big enough for him though. Oh, you're right. You know, nice try. Um, They were not voluptuous enough for him. Um, These women are not stacked. But yeah, he said good performances and an interesting idea are metamorphosed into one of the silliest movies in a long time time yeah it's silly but that's part of the fun yeah janet maslin of the new york times said for all their extravagance ken russell's films have never lacked exuberance or humor which makes the flat joyless tone of crimes of passion a surprise what yeah i don't know how you're not having a good time with anthony perkins but most of this is attributable to the screenplay by barry sandler filled with smutty double entendres and weighty ironies only intermittently does mr russell break through with the kind of manic flamboyance that is so singularly and rudely his own yeah, there were people that didn't like it, but said it was still a refreshing breath of foul air. J. Cole of Slant wrote a retrospective piece on it. He said Russell's wild style and shameless exhibitionism places it on par with contempor- the contemporary work of Brian De Palma in terms of its vicious satire of 80s kitsch and repression. My MVP is Anthony Perkins. I cannot I imagine this. I don't know how it could not be yeah. Anthony Perkins. Look, Kathleen Turner's fantastic. Yeah, but I also feel like she she is still enjoying like a long career. Like, listen, she deserved better than to play Chandler's dad and friends. Because I'm me? scared to have some that show is for pretty transphobic. Oh, but, um, I think I remember this now. I did not realize it was Kathleen Turner though. Tight. She'll be an MVP again. Yeah, here it's Perkins. Perkins is just one of those guys. He's great. I I, I gotta watch the trial. Be great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we forgot that he nicknames the the metallic dildo vibrator thing. He calls it Superman. Yeah, he's great. He just wants that worthless cunt to kill him. I'm going cold classic with this movie. I feel like this. I mean, I think it's a great movie. I, I actually yeah. think it's fucking yeah. dope. I love it, but. It's a cold classic. This should be screened. People people should bring this back. I'm sure this movie screened at the New Beverly. I would be surprised if it never screened there. And I'm sure it will screen again. But I'm definitely interested in seeing more Ken Russell. And if you want to watch yeah, Rhymes of Passion, you can watch so. it on Canopy. You just got to have a library card which is free, which means the canopy is free. And you can watch the X-rated version where the cop is getting fucked with his own nightstick, and that's tight. I see 20 or 30 girls come in here every day. 
from small towns with big dreams. Some girls crack under the pressure. You, you're going to be great. What's it feel like to walk into a room? It's like in the middle of winter. You're the sun. It's everything. You know what my mother used to call me? Dangerous. Winding Ruffin. Winding? When I know, winding? I say it like the, the stupid Wind, font. I it's Windings. <laughs> Nicholas Windings Winding. Ruffin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whatever, whatever. That uh-huh. guy. <laughs> After his slow burn Thai boxing thriller, Only God Forgives. Ruffin had a difficult time following up the lightning and the ball of success of Drive, but he returned to something slightly more commercial with his 2016 satire on the fashion industry, The Neon Demon. Oh, there's a the. The Neon the Demon. Neon After Demon. The yeah. Neon Demon. Mm-hmm. After the tragic death of her parents, 16-year-old Jessie, played by Elle Fanning, a doe-eyed, waifus teenager, relocates from rural Georgia to the piss-soaked streets of Hollywood to pursue her dream of being a supermodel. During a casting call, Jessie meets a makeup artist named Ruby, played by Jenna Malone, who introduces her to the cutthroat world of high-end modeling. She quickly shakes up the fashion world with her striking real beauty, real in quotes. A quiet, horny photographer, played by Desmond Harrington, gives her her first big solo shot. During a casting call with beloved fashion designer Roberto Sarno, played by Alessandro Nivola, Jessie's natural beauty makes Robert jizz in his pants, thus catapulting her to fame. (laughs) That's all you gotta do. That's all you gotta do, baby. You make me when that Je- once, you're going to be famous. You're going to be huge. <laughs> I spilled oh for when you. Jessie- <laughs> so disgusting. Mm. When Jesse gets a taste of the high life, she dumps her handsome book, most likely illiterate boyfriend, Dean, pay- played by, I can never say, Carl Glusman. I think that's it. Carl Glusman. Glusman. Yeah. Glusman. Her Glusman. Carl Glusman. And embraces her new lifestyle. Being a Ruffin movie, we're inundated with grotesque body horror, hotel dwelling mountain lions, slow motion neon lighting, and Keanu Reeves as a motel owner who was also apparently trafficking underage girls, which is obviously super tight. It's super tight. <laughs> Listen, if Keanu's <laughs> doing it, it's okay. <laughs> fine like we said if you're if you're hot you can kill a baby and if you're hot you can also (laughs) yeah you can traffic women why not you can do a lot if you're hot i forgot about keanu in this movie until we rewatched it i didn't (laughs) of course i know you didn't i mean i remembered him being in it but i couldn't remember if i thought he was good or not in it and i actually do think he's good i think it's kind of an inspired i think he's really good in it he doesn't always work as a villain but he works here. It works in this But he's world. not quite a villain. It's He's not a villain. He's just a creepy guy that's in her periphery in the same way that, like, that's just true. And he's not really... Like, he's, he's not a he's major not really character. part yeah. of the movie that... Prope- yeah, he doesn't propel anything forward. And the movie in no way is about the fact that he's scummy. He just happens to be scummy. And I think that's why it works. He's just trying to make ends meet. That motel's not going to pay the bills. But human bodies will. So yeah. the neon... The neon demon. Did you see this in theaters? I did not. I saw it for the first time just like at home when Erica and I were like becoming, oh no, I guess it was 2016. I don't know. I remember I watched it with her. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen it in the theaters, but 
Yeah, it was fun to see in theaters. It was a good time. It's a fun movie to see with an audience, even if they don't like it, because you can sense when they're kind of turning on it, which is also fun. So yeah, I guess after Only God Forgives, Refn wanted to make a movie about women. He said, I'm tired of making movies about violent men. What Mm -hmm. if they were violent women? He had come up with a story that I guess was supposed to be an all-female horror movie called I Walk with the Dead. Carrie Mulligan was attached to star. It was going to be in Tokyo. I guess that pivoted into The Neon Demon. It became a thing where he was Mm -hmm. like, okay, I want to shoot in LA again. I guess that the idea came from him realizing one day he woke up and he said, well, I was never born beautiful, but my wife is. And wondered what it had been like going through life with that reality. So he came up with the idea to do a horror film about beauty, not to criticize it or to attack it, but because beauty is a very complex subject. Everyone has an opinion on it. That's where it kind of came up and and, and it came about and kind of turned into like a a little bit of a fairy tale, which you definitely, I think, get in the movie. It's shot in LA, not far from where a lot of the crimes of passion locations are. She stays at that famous Hollywood motel that everybody shoots in right Mm -hmm. off Hollywood and Western near the Rouse. Did you ever go to that Rouse when you lived here? Yeah, I hate that Rouse. It's a nightmare. It's a fucking nightmare. I hate Rouse. Yeah, that Rouse on Hollywood and Western and then the Vons where Vermont turns or where Hillhurst turns into Virgil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That bonds, and then the Rite Aid on Vermont and Hollywood is yeah, like yeah, a yeah, trifecta yeah. of like nightmare situations. Get, it doesn't get, matter. Get yeah, if you can go there at any time of day, and there's always someone. I in actually there think that, you're that like, bonds is maybe the worst. That bonds is crazy because you would go in no matter what time of day. It could be like two in the morning. And there's a huge line. There's one cashier. Yeah, and everyone in there is a fucking lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like you could die at any moment in any and it's weird because like the albertsons <laughs> that was like by us was like mostly fine it was fine yeah, yeah yeah it was like you know yeah you know but the vons always seemed like easier to go to but then i mean it felt like a normal like, grocery Fuck. store yeah it didn't feel like you yeah. walked into like a fucking nightmare yeah <laughs> yeah those three places are every time i go there i'm like jesus christ man <laughs> and this is, doesn't take, take place too far from there Elle fanning she kind of eclipsed dakota so Oh, a long time ago. Yeah. I wonder how Dakota feels about this. I think they're buddies. <laughs> I hope so. I guess the turn happened sometime around, like a little before this, because she does somewhere this a little Coppola, before maybe. This. Yeah. When's the Mike Mills movie? Same year as this. And then she does Beguiled. Oh, the Beguiled is so good. Beguiled's, Beguiled's my favorite. It's so Coppola. good. Yeah. So. I feel like she eclipsed her a while ago because I also feel like Dakota doesn't work as much. Like Elle Fanning no. works a ton. Like no. she does things like she was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The other thing is just I, I think it's like why her casting was good. I think oh, and maybe it's who she become afterwards, too, is Elle Fanning is sort of like a little fashion baby, too, where I don't think that yes. like Dakota's ever been like Dakota was like, like the I cute, think that, like, precocious child. Yeah. And then I think they were like, and I just think that like now? Elle Fanning is sort of like in that realm with like Zendaya and shit and like Anna Taylor Joy that's like, what are they gonna wear? You know. Dakota, we don't think about what you're gonna wear. We know what you're gonna wear. I don't we think don't know I've what never else been gonna like, wear. What's Dakota gonna wear. It doesn't keep me up at night. I don't think about what Dakota's gonna wear. But Dakota's <laughs> worked with Denzel and Denzel said that was one of the best uh, scene partners he's ever had. So she's gonna be in the really equalizer. Is there another fanny? I really? hope not. Is if there, there another, is I don't want to know about him. Is there another fanny? That's what I want to know. Keep them at home. Is you keep them at home. Is there going to be, yeah, is there going to be like an Elizabeth Olsen that pops up out of nowhere? Yeah, exactly. Elle Fanning has like a more like vacant, intentional kind of softness. And Dakota sure. is really good at playing someone like with a little bit of grit. Like even when she was a little girl, yeah. that's what made it fun. Absolutely. Great yeah. Elle Fanning girls. is more mysterious and kind of quiet and like, yeah. and she's paler. She's more pale. 
So mm-hmm. she also looks like you can fit her. Like she works in the Beguile because she can work in a lot of different time periods. I haven't seen that show, The Great, but I know, but people like it. Yeah, people like that. Yeah, I think she's really good here. I think she's well cast. It's a good juxtaposition to the other two main models, which are Abby Lee and Bella Heathcote, who are both more like kind of classic, like blonde. They're more angular. Yeah, great bone structure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where Ella Fanning is like cheruby and baby fatty, just in the face. Jenna Malone, who is like very striking in her own way, gives just a fucking one of the best performances. I think that this is maybe. At least from just the way it looks, I think this is Reffin's like prettiest movie. It's great looking. I, I mean, I, I think Drive looks incredible. This and Drive both look great. Yeah. Newton Thomas. But there's Seagal like so many set one. pieces in this that you're just like, fuck, I wish I could just be in that Instagram trap. Put <laughs> <laughs> me on that algorithm. <laughs> yeah, no, it looks great. It's shot by Natasha Brayer. She's a good DP. Yeah, he shoots L.A. well. He seems to understand like a really gaudy but kind of grimy side of L.A. that he shoots well. Yeah, and Jenna Malone is such a fucking blast here, man. I think that a lot of the auxiliary characters are, the character actors or performances are really, really fun. They kind of need to be, though, because I because Elle Fanning is so kind of quiet and vacant, in like purposefully so. Obviously, Carl Glusman isn't going <laughs> to make up for that because oh, he's he also... Oh, he is? Okay, well, he's bad. Yeah, I don't think he's great here. I did like him in Nocturnal Animals. Yeah, he's super handsome. Okay. I did not realize, like, as we talked about, I did not know he was married to Zoe Kravitz. I knew they were together, but... She divorced him, and now she's with Channing Tatum. And he's dating someone with a personality. I mean, look, he, maybe he does have a personality, and he's just, you know, really pretty. Yeah, he's a handsome guy. He is really good in Nocturnal Animals. He he's handsome. good in He's good in Watcher, this Michael Monroe movie that came out last okay. year. He's like he does. He plays like the boyfriend character in it again. He's yeah. like he feels you know. pretty lost here to me. And in a way, I wonder if that's intentional. I wonder if Reffin just looks at him like, you mm-hmm. know, like, oh, you're so beautiful, but vacant. There's nothing there. Yeah, there's nothing there. <laughs> because there's kind of n- because, not because, supposed like, to be anything there. That's the thing. I guess you're right. Because like the Desmond Harrington performance that we were talking about when we were watching the movie, I think a lot of people would probably recognize him from being on Dexter. And then what's the guy's name that's like my favorite? Alessandro Nivola, just an incredible character actor. Like, what the fuck is wrong with, like, those two performances are so, so, so weird. (laughs) Desmond Harrington, yeah, Desmond Harrington was on Dexter. He was, I think he's in Ghost Ship. He was in Wrong Turn. He did, like, some horror movies for a bit. I think now he just does a lot of TV, but he's cast here as just a very specific mid-2010s photographer. It's, like, kind of like a post-Terry Richardson vibe. Yeah, he's more, like, emaciated, like, might have, like, a tattoo near his neck or face. He's got like the black Nike, all black, like Nike high tops and like skinny jeans, black t-shirt chain. Like he looks like he's either like super sober or is like doing lines. Like Yeah, he looks like a guy who would definitely eat a John and Vinny's a lot. And now he would have a vape. <laughs> yes. A lot of Definitely has a vape. Yeah. He's juuling. That scene with him photographing her with the glitter is great. He's literally just throwing glitter at her face. <laughs> Um, He wants it to be a closed set, which is scary. You know, it's it's interesting that they never really quite go into, because knowing Refn, you would assume he would go into like the darker, like Terry Richardson side of things where there's Mm -hmm. obviously like assault and things like that that are happening with some of these photographers on set that are just like so gross. Like you see a lot of male photographers and you see their subjects and what they're doing and who they hang out with. And you're like, you're probably not a good guy. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say you're probably not crazy. Yeah. <laughs> they never go there. They they kind of reserve that for I guess the Keanu character where it represents like a sleazier, yeah. darker side of that. But yeah. he just runs the motel that she's staying at. He doesn't and- do that much. He just kind of lets you know by when he's in a scene that 
he's creepy. I really like it. And he's really good at it because he does it so like, not even like matter of factly. Like I think that if you would have got a different actor in there, they would be doing it kind of like kitschy or like tongue and cheeky. And I think that like, I don't yeah. think Keanu could do that. He's just such a sincere person. No. And so he delivers. Yeah. yeah. He honestly could have played a photographer character in this too. He would have been great as like a yeah. dead eyed photographer. Alessandro Nivola though is just so I, good. I said it when we did live watch. I don't know if I've ever seen a bad performance by him. I don't either. You know, he's going into this movie. I thought Jenna Malone was my MVP. And then I was like, man, Nivola is so. She's more memorable the, the first time here. you watch it, I think, because she's part of the girlies. Yeah, and she has um, the most memorable scenes in a way, but Navola She does have some fucking crazy yeah. scenes. Navola's just a great character actor. Like he I think he was kind of positioned to nothing. be kind of a leading man when he first came out because he's a handsome guy. Mm -hmm. And then as he got he's older, handsome. yeah, he's still handsome. He's married to Emily Mortimer. Their kids are in white noise. They're already working. Oh, yeah. Best Laid Plans was probably the first time I ever saw Yeah. That. The Reese Witherspoon, Josh Brolin movie, right? That movie's kind of good, right? I don't remember because I saw it when I was younger, but it has a 43%, so. I think it's kind of good. And he's in Junebug. Yeah, he's great in Junebug. The first time I saw him was as Caster Troy's brother in Face Off. Well, um, I knew you were going to say that. That was the first time I ever like, saw him, baby bro. He is hands down the best part of that movie the art of self-defense which isn't great but he's that movie is really bad he's again like he like i'm looking at his filmography and yeah every time I he's see incredibly funny with him in it he's so funny but then he can also be in something like disobedience and not be yes. funny at all just yeah, be, he's like, good at playing generous. like the shitty husband he's in a most violent year he just plays like a gangster that interacts with oscar isaac a few times oh he's he's great in a movie called laurel canyon with francis mcdormand and christian bale he's always good he's one of the only decent parts about amsterdam the worst yes. movie of 2022 yes. He is doing uh, something very specific in that movie that is either, you know, it could be attributed to him, but he's he's good. He's an American yeah. hustle, too. He does his thing. He knows how to do his thing. He's going to be in the new Boston Strangler movie coming to Hulu this month. He's also going to be in the Flannery O'Connor movie directed by Ethan Hawke that I'm worried about. Interesting. Wildcat. But Have you seen Inventing the Abbots? No. I never saw it. I know I like some people like really liked it when we were younger. It's rotten, so we can cover it. But yeah, it's like Joaquin and Liv Tyler and Billy Crudup. Oh, yeah, I, I can picture it now. Yeah, poster, I would yeah, see yeah. that. I love Billy Crudup, too. Yeah, he's great. Another guy who just like, obviously has benefited more than Navola, but I think does like a, a fuckload of theater, but it's just such a great actor always a good asset to have in your movie Navola has some of the best parts though when they're out drinking and Elle Fanning shows up with Carl yep. Glusman and <laughs> he he basically rubs Carl Glusman's stomach and tells him to come have a drink but he just is so casually rubbing this guy's stomach who he just met Dean we're having a little debate over here we need your expertise wait, wait, wait will you stand up so that he can take a look at you go on stand what do you think do you think she's beautiful I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess she's fine. Yes, yes, that's exactly the word that I was looking for. She's fine, right? You can sit down now, thanks. Now, look at Jessie. Nothing fake, nothing false. True beauty is the highest currency we have. Now, without it, she would be nothing. So are you going to tell me that it's what's inside that counts? Yeah, that's exactly what I think. Well, I think that if she wasn't beautiful, you wouldn't have even stopped to look. 
Bella Heathcote and Abby Lee play the other models are more, like we said, like traditionally pretty, I guess, in that way. They're they obviously both like very striking. Think of when you think of a fashion model, I think. Yeah, yeah, the buccal fat. Is, you know, you know they there. look, there's no yeah, there's no buccal fat there. They also look kind of similar to one another. They do. They look, look more similar. interchangeable. They do. Yeah, exactly. Abby Lee is kind of low key great. Like in this and old, she just, oh, she knows really exactly good. how to utilize her physicality and her beauty in just the right way. No, I was just thinking that it's like a shame that I feel like she doesn't get to do that many. I don't know. I don't see her that often, but she's really, really, really fucking good, especially here. I, and yeah, Nikki, I, I know she was in Mad Max, but you know, I don't know how much she got to like really flex her. Do. Yeah. I don't know how much she got to like really flex her. She was on Lovecraft country apparently yeah it's like does she ever get to be the star in anything because i feel like she could totally i don't know i don't i don't i haven't seen anything where she is she's she's not really in a lot i i also forgot that this was an amazon movie this is like one of the first like amazon originals i did not remember that yeah it's very weird it premiered at can just as drive and only god forgives did i, I think most of his movies do i think even his shows i mm-hmm. think too old to die young debuted there i'm pretty sure this movie's a lot better than i remembered it like i always liked it but i think it's a I lot really, funnier yeah it's it's very funny it holds up i feel like the two easiest targets for satire are the fashion world and the art world i feel like it's very hard to make yeah, something right. that doesn't feel really on the nose what was that art movie velvet buzzsaw with jake gyllenhaal Oh, I didn't you ever see, see that. that. It's it's not very mm-hmm. good. It, it's almost like the triangle of sadness thing where it's like, it, it's like no matter mm-hmm. what you do, it's like it feels so on the nose that it's like. I mean, I felt the menu was really on the nose. The menu is really on the nose. I'm totally fine with the menu and triangle of sadness. Most I know you liked I it a, a lot more than I do. I was pretty, I was annoyed by it. I don't yeah. think they're great movies, but I think they're, they're totally fun movies to. They're fine, you know, they're, yeah. Yeah, they're entertaining in the moment. I don't think there's much depth there necessarily yeah but i feel like what works here is that he's able to satirize the the fashion world here without it feeling super on the nose like obviously parts of it are always going to be because it's already something that we look at as being vain and kind of silly yeah, i think I by think making it more because- of a body horror thing and about women yes. like wanting to inhabit literally inhabit your body that is sick but I also think that like one of the scenes that it starts off of where it's like a crime scene photo shoot, like that was, I, I brought it up before, like that was a photo shoot in America's Next Top Model. I also think that like the movie kind of benefits from probably some of its film goers having had watched like a ton of that show. Like sure. that show is so stupid that I think it's like maybe nice that we're like, oh yeah, it's stupid. And this feels like the serious version of it. The comedy and a lot of reference stuff comes from how like self-serious he seems at first glance and he's He's really not. He's actually like super playful and funny, mm-hmm. but like he can make a very slow, self-serious movie if he wanted to. And I guess that's how some mm-hmm. people do interpret his movies. But this has to be his funniest movie. It's definitely his funniest movie. Yeah, I, I think it's so funny. I think this is probably. I think this Drive and the Two Pusher sequels are probably his best movies. I want to say. Mm-hmm. I have yeah. I, I haven't seen Valhalla Rising. I love that interview where he talks about Drive being a masterpiece and. And with William Friedkin and William Friedkin being like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Even when I'm like frustrated with him, I will never, he's like someone that I still want to like show up for, you know? Yeah. No, I hope so. he makes like another actual theatrical release or an actual movie that's not, you know, like a part miniseries or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's what I want. Did you notice that the hotel room 
the wallpaper is fucking eerily similar to the wallpaper in Kathleen Turner's place. No. It's very. Really? It's you think like, that was intentional? Stri- I don't know. I don't know if it's because I watched them back to back. They're like strikingly similar patterns. Similar like lighting. If he does like janky hotel rooms in Hollywood, it doesn't seem like out of the realm of possibility that he watched a bunch of movies and sure. was like, I like I'm that. sure he's seen Crimes of Passion. I can't imagine he hasn't. And then, yeah, my favorite scene, which is the morgue scene, which I'm alone, a scene that was so amazing really to watch in theaters. Singular scene. <laughs> There's always scenes that I think you can remember exactly where you were when you saw them for the first time or how you felt. Mm-hmm. And I will never forget seeing her spit in that dead woman's mouth for the first time to lube her up so she can yeah. make it with her. Just wow. You expect a lot in, in reference movies. I did not see the spitting in the mouth. I of didn't dead see woman that coming. coming. No. Yeah. And she's like cut so up too. Yeah, she's cut up. <laughs> and not like in an abs way. <laughs> <laughs> this bitch was caught. Um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think this shit is funny, man. I think it's a cool movie. Referencing, I think it's really funny. Like the fashion world, he's an easy target. I get it. He's easy to make fun of. He's easy to shit on, I think. He's not like Gaspar Noe or whatever. You know what I mean? No, I don't think he's like that much of an edgelord because he's so funny, though. I don't think that Gaspar Noe is that funny. He's not. He's just an edgelord, so it kind of doesn't work. But here, it's like he's being he's being like noisy and fun. Only God forgives to have like that funny scene too, talking about the brother's dicks. He has that. (laughs) The new Copenhagen Cowboy series, I think I told you, has a character that's just obsessed with his own dick, like in the middle of business meetings. Do you want to see my cock? (laughs) Do you have anything else you want to add? No, just welcome back, Keanu. Even as a sex trafficker, I will see your four-hour John Wick. I guess. Also, it's apparently very good. I mean, it fucking better be good. Like, I love him, but, like, I would rather watch two shorter Keanu movies. I'm sorry, Keanu. I'm sure it won't be boring. It's just I'm going to have to pee, and then I have to plan when I'm going to pee. Apparently, Bill Skarsgård's a good villain in it. I'm down. Oh, fuck, he's so hot. That's such a hot cast. I did not know he was in it. You know, you got a real attitude problem. You know that? I'm just being friendly. Just want to make sure you're getting something out of this deal. Because if you're not, got plenty of the girls here. Take a peek in room 214 if you get a chance. Rented this week to a girl from Sandusky, Ohio. Runaway, 13 years old. Real Lolita shit. Real Lolita shit. The Neon Demon was on the cusp for a long time. It had a 59 for a long time. Now it has a 58. So... Barely so rotten. Who, who shit? T- I, I would think that it was just going to go up and up and up. I don't know. But apparently yeah. not. Rex Reed of The Observer gave it an F. So The Neon Demon, which was booted off the screen this year in Cannes, is about jealousy, murder, and cannibalism in the Hollywood modeling industry. If it wasn't so stupid and preposterous, I'd say see it for the laughs. But trust me when I say you're on your own, and I mean it. Fuck that. Um, and uh, James Bardinelli of Real Views also gave it an F. Said horror fans will be so bored by the first 90 minutes that they will have either walked out or fallen into a coma by the time the blood starts flowing. The film stage said the director has set out to make the most repellently misogynistic film imaginable. Yet he's disguised it as postmodern feminist satire. By shattering every possible taboo, the film is supposed to be an attack against the very thing it represents. Really, though, any semblance of commentary is simply a posture for winding Refn to cover his ass. I, I just think that people were upset that he didn't do like Drive 2. I think that he just was never going to live up to that. Yeah, I think he's never going to live up to it. And I think that like the farther away that we get from drive and the more things that we see that are derivative, like the more grateful that will be for whenever he just like makes anything. Yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time and I I would like to revisit it. I'm sure it holds up. I'm sure it holds up really well. Yeah, Glenn Kenny, the New York Times said the Neon Demon is hot garbage that dares you to call it offensive. In addition, it's offensive. Kate Taylor, the Globe and Mail said... 
there remains a nasty whiff here of a movie that is trotting out lesbian love interests and clawing catfights for male titillation. With fashion taking the place of ballet, the Neon Demon may well prove controversial in a black swan kind of way, offering a love-it-or-hated debate over the appeal of its melodrama versus the politics of its social critique. I do really love when Dakota Fanning first meets Abby Lee and Bella Heathcote at the at that party and they're in the bathroom and Bella Heathcote or one of them says like, I heard your parents are dead. That must be really hard on you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> some positive reviews before we wrap up though, because some people really did like it. Some people it. liked it. Yeah. It's teetering. It's teetering. Jessica Kang at the playlist said spectacular, gross and delicious. So unsavory. It's almost sweet. The film is more proof of Refn's mastery of his trash aesthetic and more fun than anything this indulgent and empty-headed has any right to be. Yes. And then Robbie Collin of The Telegraph gave it an A. He said, when the film reaches its logical endpoint, Refn just keeps pushing and eventually lands on a sequence so jaw-dropping that all you can do is howl or cheer. I know we had kind of a a tie for our MVPs. Did you decide on somebody? I'm, I'm giving it to the dude, you know. Yeah, I, it's hard. It, you know, it could change the next uh, he, time. Maybe it'll go it back change to Jenna Malone. Time, but he made me like gleeful in a way that I, I just yeah. He's rumored to be so. Todd Haynes is directing a Peggy Lee movie mm-hmm. starring um Michelle Williams. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's okay. rumored to be in it. Okay, which would be tight. I don't know because like that to me is like the right place for Michelle Williams in like a period picture that I care about. I mean, my sure. favorite thing that she's done in a million years is Pause Every Day, and Todd yeah. Haynes is good at like a period piece and he cut his teeth making the Karen Carpenter thing. So I think yeah. that could be really good. I am always like happy to see um, Alessandro Naval pop up in something. He's welcome in anything really. I think that this year we have to remember to like, he's, he's a rotten daddy this year. I think we've forgotten about him. We past, are inducting he's, him he's into the rotten, rotten daddy. daddy hall of fame. He's a daddy. Welcome. <laughs> does he eat pussy? Oh, you know? Yes. I feel but like he like does. Pussy. I think, yeah, I think Carl Glusman eats pussy. No. Um, How I do it. No, I don't think he does. I don't think Desmond Harrington does either. Or this character. I don't know enough about how he conducts himself, but yeah. You know who I bet does eat pussy? Jenna Malone. I knew you were going to say that. I bet Jenna Malone eats pussy. (laughs) I don't even know if she's gay, but I I bet she eats pussy. (laughs) She eats pussy. Yeah. looks like she eats pussy. Well, come on, come on. She does look like she. Anthony Perkins famously did not eat pussy. So we don't even have to ask that question. (laughs) Okay, cool. Final rating? I think this is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it quite like, I don't, is like, like I cut don't, out for a cult like, following yet, but I think it's a good movie. I think it's a good reffing movie. It's a good one. Good movie. Two good movies. Had a good time. Some good, good quotes. Yeah. That's crazy. That's the Neon Demon. It is streaming on Amazon Prime forever because it's an Amazon original. Maybe not yeah, forever. you're right. That's sick. I can't say forever because, you know, we all know what's going on with Netflix and HBO getting rid of their original properties. So right. Amazon might crazy. do the same. And why wouldn't they? They're evil. We'll be continuing this series next week, as we will be through the end of April. But next week, we're going to definitely, we're going for some spooky early 2000s gaslight horror movies. We're going to be talking about what lies beneath returning Michelle Pfeiffer to the podcast. Our second Robert Zemeckis, because yeah, we did Death Becomes Her. Okay. Have we ever talked about Harrison Ford in the podcast? We have to have, right? I don't know if we have. Because I feel like the bad Harrison Ford movies that would be rotten from like the or 90s. Are fun for us? The, yeah, like Random Hearts or some shit. Like why would we cover that, you know? I don't think we have. I think this is our first. I want to say that this is our first appearance by by Harrison Ford. I want you to think well, long and hard about Harrison Ford eating bad. pussy all week. Oh, yeah, I will. The earring tells me he does. He's, I've heard he's he a has, very cool he, guy. He has something working 
on both sides of the lake does he eat yeah pussy. it could go either he way. also just seems like a dude that's like i'm not gonna do that I'm you know what i mean like if he doesn't <laughs> want to do something okay and then Halle berry is going to be returning to the podcast with a little movie called gothica matthew Mateo mateo kasovitz from uh, the dude from- that's in uh amelie yeah, who directed Lahane. Oh, yeah. Strange directing career. Yeah. And we'll be joined by Jordan Cyril. She'll be back on the podcast because she is a oh, huge sick. Gothica stan. So I'm very interested. I think in I knew that. Defense. Yeah. I've never seen Gothica. I have not seen it. I haven't either. I have not seen What Lies Beneath since it came out. So it's been 23 years or something. But yeah, Gothica, I believe you do have to rent. But What Lies Beneath is on HBO. If you're listening to this podcast, you're listening on Patreon. And that's awesome. We can't thank you enough if you have not voted in our newest poll to help us decide our next miniseries. Yeah. Please, please do that. Please log in and let your voice be heard because every vote counts. There's some some fun options that I, we would be more than happy to talk about any of these, but uh, we want you to help us. Yeah. So thank you for subscribing. Thank you for listening. You are so good to us. A very special thank you to our top subscribers. Victoria Kruger, Andrea Ferris, ASR, Ben Beakey, Bork, Floyd, Devin Hansen, Jean Yonarell, Britton Chance, Constant Carino, Graham Redman, Royce Burke, Jeff Raposh, Neil Fuller, Matthew Hayes, Brittany Barker, Brody Anderson, Eric Hackman, J.D. Yankowski, Carrie Owens, Madeline Dugan, Mary Caitlin Koski, Nick Laskin, and Ryan Oliver. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. Yes. You little rotten baby. Yeah, keep on coming back. We love it. Do you have anything to plug? You want to plug anything? You want to plug your Coca-Cola ad? No, not the Coke one. (laughs) No, I'll have some recipes going up on Tillamook cheese. (laughs) If you like Tillamook cheese, you're going to love this. All right. Well, thank you for listening.